Hello. On this podcast, we talk about movies, their faults, their flaws, and their plots. So, expect some spoilers. You've been warned. Welcome to Plot Spackle. I'm John, and my movie's unique because it has a hippie Jeff Bridges in it. I'm Eric, and my movie's unique because Andy Serkis gets killed twice. I'm Richard, and my movie's unique because it has a giant robot, not just a giant monkey. Alright guys, we got our movies. We're doing a triple-sode. But uh, what are we going to fill these plot holes with? Before we get to that, why are these holes monkey-shaped? Because that's where a giant monkey hit the ground. Where it was killed by beauty. I'm pretty sure the bullets killed the beast. And the fall. And gravity. As we talk about the various permutations of King Kong in uh, preparation for um, Godzilla vs. Kong. That's coming out around the same time this uh, podcast comes out, I think. Maybe? If I did my math wrong? If we can go to theaters. Well, we can still go to theaters. We just have to sit far away. Soon. Yeah, but my movie, guys, is the 1976 King Kong. My movie is the 2005 Peter Jackson King Kong. And my movie is the 1967 Toho Rankin Bass Universal Studios collaboration king kong escapes oh i forgot it was a rankin bass it's a christmas movie <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like so because they do guys in suits instead of a claymation right they do indeed is there like a rudolph the red nosed reindeer easter egg in that movie did you spot this uh i did not but i mean there was a lot of model work so it could be that somewhere hidden in tokyo is the destruction of the christmas village they do destroy quite a bit of the North Pole. All right. So, uh, Eric, what's your movie about? So my movie is almost a classic retelling of the 1933 original King Kong movie. So you have a group of adventurers who are looking for Skull Island. They eventually find Skull Island because they have a special map. The boat makes it to shore. A bunch of crewmates get killed. The girl is kidnapped by Kong, is rescued by the love interest. They capture Kong, bring him back to New York, and then kill Kong. I mean, if you want to condense this movie like down to its basic bits. But my movie, Kong is not so much a monster, more than a uh, man is the monster, and he destroys everything he touches. So, yeah, it's a little bit different than the first, than the original. Um, what about you, John? How, what is your King Kong movie about? My King Kong movie is about a shipwrecked lady um, whose friends get her drunk. And then she goes on a pity date with a big hairy guy. And then uh, he thinks, takes things too far. And so when she tries to leave, he follows her and stalks her back to her house. Before the police have to get involved. It's just the police, not the military? Well, the military are like the national police. Isn't that the FBI? 
No, but like of other nations too. Oh. For police actions. Yeah, we in this time period we perform police actions. All right, Richard. Well, let's let's hear uh, the third part of this. All right, my movie is also about King Kong, uh, but more it's about an evil genius who creates Mechanicong so that he can dig up the highly radioactive element X found only at the North Pole, and uh, then when Mechanicong breaks down, uh, he has to the evil genius has to go and kidnap regular Kong to dig it up because, as we all know. Uh, regular animals are more ra- more resilient to radiation than robots. And then Checks we have out. our submarine commander who shows up at the uh, who shows up at the island and they they've made friends with Kong and so he has to go and rescue Kong and then there's a they King Kong escapes from the North Pole and has a showdown against Mechanicong inside Tokyo. And eventually he get he defeats Mechanicong, breaks the boat kills the evil scientist, and swims away home. I have a couple things with this. I'm not uh, faulting you for the animals are more resistant to radiation because if you look at Chernobyl, all the robots there have broken down. All the animals are still living, though. So that one checks out. Gorillas don't swim, though. Well, you see... But Kong's not a gorilla. He's a conch. That's a different species. Yep. Mm, makes sense. Okay. Well, there's that plot hole solved. Well, that doesn't seem like a King Kong movie. That seems like a King Kong movie to me. Did the, the did the monkey climb a, a building? He did. And there then... there was a, there was a monkey on top of a tall building holding a lady. And then the monkey fell off. A, one of the monkeys did fall off, and it died. Well, okay, that's a King Kong movie. That is a King Kong movie. And at one point, the monkey was drugged and taken from its home. Yes, airlifted by helicopters. I mean, mine was on a boat. He got airlifted by helicopters onto a boat. Oh, yeah, they gotta have that. I I mean, it's efficient. I think we figured out what the monkey story is. For Kong, he's gotta be on an island get knocked out, get put on a boat, then climb a building at some point. There's got to be a monkey climbing a building with a woman, and then they have to fall to their death. Well, one of them does. not the not, yeah. Preferably not the woman. And the woman stays behind so she can cry. About the cruelty of the universe or something. And you know, killing the beast or something. In this know. particular case, you can have a giant robot fall off. That happens to be monkey shaped and then it dies that way you can have the monkey be a hero and go on to spawn a franchise yep it never happened in this case but that's a messy that that, that's a a bunch of messy lawsuits later all right do we want to do facts for the kong or should we go do facts for kong a little bit later i think we should probably go into some facts about kong real quick all right so what are facts about king kong as a franchise all right, so facts about King Kong as a franchise. Fortunately, I've got Eric to back me up on a lot of this because he also went down this rabbit hole. Uh, King Kong was written by, oh, now I'm going, Marion Cooper. Uh, he came up with it 
I think he was 19. He was he was young when he he was young when he wrote King Kong. Uh, he started like he got into into gorillas at like six when his uncle gave him a book about exploration in Africa in like 1899, and became obsessed with gorillas then. And then he got involved in the motion picture industry. And then he, while he was filming the movie The Four Feathers in Africa, he met a family of baboons, and this gave him the idea to make a movie about primates. And then he got hired on to RKO, and he wanted to do, like, a scary gorilla picture. And they fleshed everything out. He wanted to make the gorilla giant-sized, because he had the image of... King Kong fighting warplanes on top of a building, like, already in there. And he wanted it to be a big, nightmarish gorilla monster, and then his co-creator wanted it to be more human, and there was a lot of back and forth. That Like, the first iteration of it was not great. The second iteration ended up looking pretty close to a near Thandall, and so the third one is more what we traditionally associate with King Kong, where it's mostly gorilla-ish, but walks upright. And then we got Kong because Marion Cooper liked hard-sounding words that started with the letter K. Komodo, Kodiak, Kodak. Uh, he was going to have it fight a Komodo dragon, and that kind of got upscaled into the dinosaur when Kong got big. And then he made the, they made the movie and they were going to call it The Beast. Oh, I heard that in the Sandlot. Right. And the problem was that the RKO executives didn't, didn't like the generic title because The Beast, uh, also a famous roller coaster, wasn't going to sell anything. And so they just went with calling it Kong to sell the, the name that nobody knew. Because then you'd be like, King Kong, what's that? What the heck is a Kong? And so that's where it went. And so Cooper eventually just named his story Kong. And then they added King to Kong's name in order to differentiate it from a bunch of other one-word names that Cooper had been associated with in documentaries, like Grass and Chang. So it got King Kong for the movie adaptation. After the movie, there were problems with who owned it. Eric, do you want to chip in here? So, at this point, there are three different copyright claims for the King Kong franchise. You have the character of Kong, who Cooper thought he owned, and when he tried to make a... He wanted to do a Kong sequel, and he, was, he wasn't going to, through the... RKA was RKO. He was going R- through R- Pioneer. Yeah, he was. He wanted to go through RKO, or he wasn't going through RKO, the original King Kong studio. And RKO sent him a letter saying, "Hey, you can't use this. This is our character." He sent a letter back saying, "No, I made this character. I made this before I even worked for you. You don't own this." Uh, they said, "Well, yes, we do," and he said, "No, you don't." So they went to court. And a judge decided that RKO owns the movie rights. Um, Cooper owned the novelization rights for the book that he wrote. 
and the general i think it, at this time it was universal who owned the the distribution the, the distribution rights. rights so lots of very confusing who owned what and this lawsuit basically or this the kong character was in the courts or was in court like trying to figure out who owned what up until about the 70s 1975 is when it came to a big head and that's when cooper's son eventually sold his uh the family's share of the rights to universal isn't that right uh it eventually because what they because or that's when universal and dino de laurentis were fighting over who got to do a king kong remake because Dino De Laurentiis was trying to buy the rights off of RKO. And Universal was saying that no, they can't do that. And so they were filing a lawsuit saying that they had an agreement with RKO for the remake. When RKO started countersuing and then Dino De Laurentiis filed a lawsuit claiming interference. That's when Marion's son Richard, uh, who is now the head of the Cooper estate, got into it. And... During that is when Universal discovered that the copyright of the novelization had expired without renewal, and it made King Kong into a public domain one, and so now they should be able to make a movie based on the novel without infringing on anybody's copyright, because the whole thing's public domain. And so, like, there was this big trial in L.A., where he made a where the judge made the verdict that the King Kong novelization and serialization were public domain. Universal could make its movie as long as it didn't infringe on the original elements of the 1933 RKO film, which was not public domain. Like, they could give a deal with Dino De Laurentiis to give him a cut of the production. And then, like, two days later, he made a subsequent ruling that held that all the rights in the name, character, and story outside of the original film and the sequel did belong to the Cooper estate. And that expressly stated that it wouldn't change the previous ruling of publishing rights for the novel and the serialization. But just that Cooper owned the Kong character. The Cooper owned the Kong character. And then after that was affirmed, shortly thereafter, Richard Cooper sold his rights to Universal. So yeah, it it was a bit of a, I don't want to say circus, but to make, to force the pun. You don't have to force that pun. It's a monkey movie. I mean, this this was... Wait, ape. Don't worry, Universal wasn't done with their lawsuits. Oh, Universal's never done. This is part one of the lawsuits. Because uh, hit 1982, and there's this uh, little Japanese company called Nintendo. No, 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 they're, they're not little. They're a card-making company. They've the, been around since the 1890s. This little Japanese company called Nintendo, who made it, made this character called Donkey Kong. Uh, they, all, they called... Uh, so, yeah, you have this arcade cabinet uh, where you have this little guy who wasn't named Mario at the time um, trying to rescue a lady on the top of a building being held captive by a gorilla. Uh, I think Shigeru Miyamoto made the Donkey Kong game, didn't he? Or was it? Uh, I, I Not without looking. Okay. Well, so Nintendo called their character Donkey Kong because... Well, donkey, they thought English for idi- someone idiotic, and Kong is just what we call giant monkeys. And so they're like, okay, we'll call him idiot, 
idiot monkey, uh, Donkey Kong. How about that? And so they started marketing their game cabinets in the U.S., which were very popular. I think that's one of the big things, too. If they if the cabinets hadn't been uh, popular, I don't think Universal would have cared that much. But Universal did care because they felt that those game tokens rightfully belonged to the Universal Studios. And so they sued Nintendo. Yeah, and it was a... It was a big deal because they were, you know, it's it's a blatant ripoff of King Kong, but they really didn't get very far in that. It, it got sent up to the California District Court, and then they were like, um, first off, you don't know, there's no trademarking. Richard Cooper and the Cooper estate never trademarked King Kong, and so you'd if even if he sold you the rights to the King Kong character, you don't own trademarks on it. Should have thought about that. Two, uh, because you don't have it, you decided to to uh, assert that you have trademark rights and wasted the court's time. Second, you didn't stop after you after they went for it because they started going after the Nintendo sponsors. And the courts decided that that was even worse because they were trying to get the funding for Nintendo to have the plug pulled that way. And then third, you already argued in your lawsuit that King Kong is public domain. You can't have it both ways. It's either public domain or it's not. So Universal ended up losing out there. And so since the court case, Universal still retains the majority of the character rights. They have their uh, King Kong Encounter ride at Universal Studios in uh, Hollywood. That one got destroyed back in 2008 by like a lot fire, I think. And then they did uh, Kongfrontation in Universal Studios Orlando that had maintenance issues. And then they made King Kong in 2005. And then I know they did a new, like, 2010, they did like a 3D king kong one and then they did a skull island attraction at universal studios orlando and then from there we then they started reaching out to like uh when legendary reached out to them for skull island and so legendary got in on that but it is licensed through universal at this point anything else you have to I think that's pretty much it for Kong's messy history. That is the messy history of Kong. Now we have movies. All right, so who wants to go first? We haven't heard from you in a while, John. All right, yeah, I'll start off. So, uh, yeah, I my... Guess, oh, wait, whose movie came out first? Was it John's or Rich? oh, Richard's? Richard's came out uh, chronological order. Okay. His is nine years before mine. Okay, well, we could... Whatever. But that's okay. We're going to go to... Uh, the, mo- the mo- most traditional Kong, the derivative of Kong, and then the crazy Kong. So I'm pretty know. sure that's not a character in the Kong universe. I'm pretty sure that's in Donkey Kong. No, that's Cranky Kong. Is that one of the, like, the 64? I'm pretty sure there was a... Cr- no, it's Donkey Kong Country. That's where the orangutan one. It's called Crazy Kong. Ah. It's uh, one of the enemies. Well, there we go. Tying it back to Nintendo. All right. Well, so uh, my Kong came out on the seventeenth uh, of December in nineteen seventy six with a twenty four million dollar estimated budget. Opening weekend was a uh, seven million. 
And uh, gross in the United States was about $52 million. We don't know worldwide. I don't know if it had a worldwide release. I don't think it really did. So I don't know how much it uh, grossed there. Yeah, and uh, it was a... I'd say semi-faithful retelling because it is set in the modern era. Um, we deal with helicopters instead of airplanes. Uh, climbs the World Trade Center instead of the uh, Empire State Building. I mean, he does fight a giant snake. There we go. Doesn't fight dinosaurs. But also, the uh, reason the ship is there is different. Um, they're there trying to investigate this island for the possibility of finding petroleum there. And uh, the lady that uh, Kong steals, Dwan, which is Dawn, with the W and A swapped, um, was actually just like a shipwreck survivor who uh, they encounter. But for uh, some... Should we, go, should we move right into your plot holes? I'm only seeing like one on the list you sent us. Uh, some of those like factual errors, I think, kind of qualify as plot holes. Also, they're not very factual. Not well, all of them. Some are, but... Do we just shotgun these for you? But oh, I, I do want to bring up that uh, this Kong, they did have a 40-foot um, Kong robot that was uh, life-sized. It was has about a minute of film time. But they did start out, they built the uh, hands first in relationship to the actress so that she'd fit in it, and then scaled up from there. The hands, hands arms weighed uh, like 750 kilograms. And, uh, oh, here we go. There's a... And is you, so this is going to be a little bit nerdier, but is your Kong's size uh, consistent throughout the movie? Because in the original Kong, like he, oh, he varied. was vastly inconsistent. Yeah, um, I. It seemed pretty consistent to me. Because I mean, they they did do the thing where the hand they built the hand, and then from the hand they built everything else, and then they made the suit in comparison to so. Okay, so they at least tried to keep with the reference. I, I think they had very close, maybe not perfect, but consistent. Like when I was watching it, I didn't have any moments where I'm like, wait, shouldn't he be bigger or be smaller? Yeah. Cause I know the first one, he scaled anywhere from like 18 feet to 60 feet. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, uh, it had a half ton of Virginian horse tails sewn individually for the fur, the giant robot. Ooh. How many interns do you think it costs to do that? Um, one? I'll have one for, intern? All I say is the whole it took twenty operators to actually get it to move. That's like a Voltron thing right there. Yeah. And also, um a whole bunch of uh people were protesting that uh Kong climbs the World Trade Center instead of the Empire State Building by dressing up in ape suits and going to the top of the Empire State Building on the hundred and second floor. <laughs> right. Cause um, I mean it's that's where Kong's supposed to go, right? It's tradition. He yeah. did it once in a movie. But yeah, hit me with those uh, plot holes. I'm ready to defend. All right. Defend my monkey and his honor. See. All right. Well, how come the villagers built a giant locking bar and huge gates Anytime they want to perform their ritual because it exposes them to the monsters on the island every time. And they're the ones going through. Why don't they just build the walls with a regular human-sized gate in it? Okay, because 
they uh, this person obviously doesn't understand the concept of rituals or like meaning behind them because kong isn't just a monster to them kong is like their uh their protector too they got the whole deal going on they keep uh, kong happy by giving him a wife and kong keeps him safe and so kong has to be able to be treated as if he could be a member of the village so you have to have a big door if kong couldn't go through the little door they have a little door kong couldn't go through that they can't let kong into your life through a small door you have to have a big door are you gonna let kong into your heart now i'm not certain i'm sold on the spirit of kong yet but the spirit of kong is climbing buildings and killing giant snakes and t-rexes too i think in other ones in the original and the uh, 2005 remake. Yeah, this one didn't have him kill a, yeah, the a T-Rex. I think it probably because they ran out of money. Because <laughs> they had to make a giant conch robot. <laughs> Alright, John. So, when the Petrox engineers dump Kong into the pit filled with chloroform, they haven't knocked him out. They've killed him. Chloroform vapor is heavier than air, so Kong is breathing it in in a pretty pure form. And it is lethal in concentrations as low as 40,000 parts per million. In the time it would take to render a gorilla unconscious by this method, it would die. This ignores the fact that liquid chloroform is a severe irritant and a contact poison, and its breakdown products include phosgene and hydrogen chloride, both deadly poisons. They might as well save themselves some time and use that dinky little bulldozer to fill in the pit. Alright, well, um, first things first. Kong is not a gorilla. He's a Kong. Just throw that out. You, you can't use uh, gorillas as your basis for a Kong comparison. Second, he wasn't like in the pit pit, like his head below the top of it. So he wasn't submerged entirely in the gas. So he would have had some air. And uh, I think it was also just shock. And it's all about dosage in the end. Well, but if we're going with that dosage... Because there's a bunch of, like, the crew members that walk out under the chloroform cloud to look into the pit. Shouldn't they be passing out and or dead, too? Well, obviously it wasn't that thick of a cloud. And that, like we said, the gas is heavier than air. So we know that uh, when Kong fell in, he probably got a deep breath full that made him dizzy and uh, sit down. But it was mostly sitting at the lower level of the pit. Because it wouldn't rise all the way out. And so the crew members... Just didn't go in deep enough. They are, after all, engineers, as pointed. And as for, it's Kong, he's pretty tough. I'm, I'm sure he can take a little bit of contact poison and be okay. Just not lead poison, am I right? Yeah, just not lead poisoning. That's applied directly. So yeah, I think, uh, I think they did get a little lucky that it could have gone wrong. Like had Kong landed face first straight into the uh, heavier gases then it would have been bad but at the very least they would have had a giant stuffed monkey what else you got for me all right the next one on the list is how does king kong return radar signals i mean if organic material is suddenly detectable by shipborne radar how come it doesn't pick up trees and other animals is this somehow godzilla or gorilla detecting radar no um for being a factual error, you obviously don't actually understand what you're talking about. Radar returns radio signals. 
um, its ability to return it is based on whatever it's hitting's ability to bounce it off. This is affected by materials and density and stuff like that. But the reason, so ships could, if they wanted to, detect um, plants and such, but that'd be just a lot of noise. So there's actually a lot of math and uh, effort put into making it less sensitive. So you want to get the larger things. Like, you know, Kong, who is big and a moving object, they'd pick it up. It actually reminds me of a story that I heard. It's about one of the stealth uh, fighters that was being developed. Uh, they were doing its radar test on it, and they kept seeing it. You know, it was giving a lot bigger uh, radar shadow than it should have been. Then they looked outside and noticed that there was a bird sitting on top of it. So they shooed the bird away, and the radar signal went away, or the radar return went away. So uh, animals do return radar signals. Just yeah. You want to cut through that, like yeah. John said. Yeah, so that's like when we do recording, we have our uh, audio set up to pick up higher level stuff so we can ignore some lower level stuff. And the noise is still there, and if we wanted to, we could pick it up, but then it wouldn't be enjoyable, right? And so radar doesn't want to detect birds. It doesn't want to detect trees. It, the shape of a mountain is something they'd want to get, and something as big as a mountain. Especially one that moves would show up. It'd be something that they would mark and catch. Because he'd be large enough to stick out. So, yeah. I, I, that's the thing. Radar does not detect metal. It's not magnetic. That's why stealth fighters can work. Because it's all about changing the shape so it doesn't bounce the radio waves back. Anything else? Alright, so let's go back to some... Uh giant animal physiology the fact that the respiration of a single animal however large could lead to an increase in the level of carbon dioxide in the local area is so absurd it is laughable carbon dioxide ex exhalation is part of a closed loop cycle and the co2 exhaled exhaled by kong would be matched by the co2 taken in by the plants growing on the island it cannot be otherwise Elevated levels of carbon dioxide are incredibly dangerous, and any animal living on the island, including Kong, would suffer if things got out of hand. So, um, yeah, the, the thought that Kong could be the source of CO2 was only put forth by Jack when he shows up, because they know the gases are there, and it's not just CO2. They're going, they're going there because the gases mean that there's probably oil deposits. And guess what, guys? There are types of oil deposits there. All right, so send in the American mi military, right? They need some freedom? Well, I mean, they never get to that point because they didn't know there were people on the island, and so then they had Those to Those people need freedom. And it was the wrong type of oil anyway. <laughs> it was the wrong type of oil. Whale oil. Man, how embarrassing. It was in the wrong form for what they're doing. Uh, maybe today we could get that oil. But they didn't have the right processing. Yeah. And so it was, a, it was a loss for them. But that's the thing, is King Kong is not the source of all the CO2. The only person who said that was Jack when he was offering an alternative reason for why this island had all the mists and gases on it. He's all like, maybe it's a big monkey. Because he wanted to talk about the big monkey, because that's what he's all about, is the big monkey. And Jack is the Jeff Bridges character, right? Yeah, Jack is the Jeff Bridges character. 
Got to invest in that corporate espionage. Yep. Got to take down Petrox. It's the name of the pet- the petroleum company is Petrox. First Petrox, then Encom. Yeah. He sneaks on board. He bribes a guard. Look, guys. If you're a guard and someone bribes you, you take the money, then you turn them in and report the bribe. But you only have to report like half the bribe. Pretty sure that's unethical. So's just taking a bribe in the first place. Good point. Unethical life pro tip, I guess? I'm just saying. I mean, this way you win and you can still say that you did your job. And you still have a job. And you still have a job. And they're like, you can be employee of the month. You're an honest guy, Bob. And who are they going to believe? The guy who was sneaking in or the guy who turned him in? Not only sneaking in, a dirty hippie sneaking in. Yeah. How did he even get that money? Probably sold drugs. Or stolen company equipment. So yeah, that was uh, that's all the plot holes, I guess, for uh, King Kong 1976. Now who should we do? Should we do the uh, Peter Jackson remake? Should we? Listen, guys, we only have... What, these episodes are about 40 to 50 minutes long. You know how many episodes we could listen to watching this Peter Jackson movie? Four? Several. Like six. The movie I watched was three and a half hours. Eric, you're not supposed to find the director's cut. Okay, if I watch the theatrical release, that would bring it down to three hours and 15 minutes. It is still an incredibly long movie. I looked it up just to see, like, okay, what am I getting in this extended release? What did you get? 15 extra minutes of walking in the jungle. Was it important walking in the jungle? Did it add clarity from the source material? I, I haven't seen the original Kong, so I don't think so. Let's just say the original Kong debuted at an hour and 14 minutes. You could watch the original Kong twice, and then some, in the uh, Peter Jackson movie. Look, he was just adding the part from the book where King Kong gets given gifts by the Queen of the Elves in the forest. Does that actually happen in the book? I'm asking now, because I'm curious. I don't know if you're joking or if that's something that seriously happens. (laughs) No, I'm referencing the uh, extended Uh, edition of Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. (laughs) Ah, that makes sense now. Peter Jackson, adding stuff for extended editions. Who would have thought? At least that extended edition made sense to add it. But Because now you know where the magic cape came from. Maybe he should have done, like, the extended edition, like he recorded it, and then release the theatrical cut, which is smaller, and then he could have released the extended edition. He did it all wrong. You start out small, and then you reveal more. Well, he did. He added 15 extra minutes of walking into the jungle. That's what Eric said. Yeah. I think that was for the Blu-ray release. Um, But let's... Should we go through the plot holes of the Peter Jackson movie? Sure. I got one for you. So, after they capture Kong... Englehorn has seemed to have forgotten that Carl Denham has a warrant out for his arrest, and Denham is just wandering around in New York instead of going to jail. So, we don't exactly know how much time has passed in between the capture on the island and the uh, the premiere of the Kong creature, or the eighth wonder of the world. Um, 
and maybe the people who put out the warrant, the the studio owners, said, "Wait, you brought this monkey back. You're going to make us lots of money doing this." Yeah, we don't. We're not going to press charges anymore. So they dropped their charges. Yeah, they can obviously drop the charges, and in the movie they reference sailing to Singapore, which is the complete opposite direction like on the complete opposite side of the world from New York, it's going to take them a couple months. They can still radio ahead and be like, Hey, we got, we got a money-making opportunity. Uh, let us dock and, you know, with no issues and, you know, we can cut you in on it because the Jack Black character is all about making that money and, you know, having his film or whatever, like he's in it for the art and the art of, is of course making money. He's, he's all about uh, selling out. He was the person uh, Real Big Fish wrote their song about. He's a sellout. Look, integrity just means your price is very high. So what's our next one? Our next one is, given that they're going to be uh, debuting the creature in the Broadway theater, how did they get King Kong from the ship and into this theater without anyone noticing? You know, they have, like, trucks, and they can throw a big blanket over him. Right? Well, this is the, I think, 1920s. I don't think it's the 1930s quite yet. I can't remember exactly when they said this movie takes place. It takes place at uh, the same time as the original King Kong, um, which is, like, Golden or the Gilded Era, whatever. Um, I'm... Yeah, I think uh, they've got to have, like, dump trucks or whatever. Uh, Steam-powered stuff. I don't know. That's your job to know. You're supposed to fill this plot hole. Yeah, fill this plot hole. Fill this monkey-shaped plot hole. Magic of editing. That that doesn't work at all, Eric. Uh, I'm pretty sure it does in the movie. I'm going to say that they claimed that it was definitely... They, they we're going to go with the tarp method. Yeah, and they said it was a uh, prototype Zeppelin. Maybe the Zeppelins were topical. Zeppelins were topical at the time, and that would be a big rounded shape underneath the tarp, and you were carrying the pieces on your trucks. And we know that the theater's got to have a large enough dock to be able to take large set pieces off and on. Yeah, they could have brought it in through the back. And what if they do it? At- Maybe they do it at like three o'clock in the morning or something. Like, oh yeah, you always move your monkeys at three a.m. I, I mean, they called uh, New York the city that never sleeps, but this was like nineteen thirties. It's people were there weren't as many people in New York, and there were just not as many people out. Plus, it's the winter time, so there's not going to be as many people to see that giant tarp moving truck. So I, I like Richards. Yep, I'm going to copy his. All right, then let's talk about using your uh, submachine gun at full auto to uh, pick the bugs off of someone. He got very lucky. He has uh, action hero levels of uh, uh, ac- accuracy. With a submachine gun? Very accurate. Listen, it was recorded. We saw it happen. Like, how far away was he when he shot the bucks off? Uh, he was maybe me to you, which is about five feet. All right, so deviation's not going to be that much, and especially if you aim high above the bug, 
then you're hoping that the actual strays are hitting the bug. So you're using the passage of the air to get the bug off of the person rather than bullets? No, you're using bullets. You're just hoping that you miss. Look, look, see, because that's the thing. The problem what you're talking about is that the submachine gun is inaccurate, right? I'm just talking about using a gun to put bugs off of someone without killing the person. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And so... These were big bugs, They too. were big bugs. They're large targets. And so you keep the... You have minimal spread within a few short yards. You're still going to be pretty close to the center circle. It's as you spread out that your deviation gets higher. And so if you aim above it, then any deviation will actually be hitting the bug. So so that's what you're doing, is what I'm saying. As you aim above the bug, any bullets that would have gone lower will hit the bug. And if all the bullets had gone straight, you'd miss the bug. But that's because we know the bullets are not going to go all straight. You're letting the ones that stray low clip the bug. And you a couple quick bursts. And besides, I mean, they might get shot once. They'll be okay. They're not uh, They're not a Kong or Gorilla, which has a weakness, like historical weakness to bullets. Yeah, or a giant bug. And would you rather have be shot once or have giant bugs on you? And these are crickets, too. So it's not like they're super meat-eating bugs. They, got, they have to work at it. Yeah, they're going to chew on you for a while. All right. That was one of the problems I was watching. Uh, it popped up in my head like, if if I was there, I would at least switch to semi-auto auto or sem- semi-automatic instead of going full auto. Yeah, going with like a three-round burst. Well, th- this is just a, this is an old uh, Thompson machine gun, so let's not. Let's okay, not, we'll just go single shot. Yeah, single shot. Shoot once and then re readjust. Not full auto. Don't do the spray and pray. <laughs> You'll be doing a different kind of praying afterwards. Someone will be. All right. Well, uh, here's one for you, Eric. Uh, how did Anne survive an entire night in New York in the winter in an evening dress outside? That, that That's asking for some uh, frostbite. Severe hypothermia at the very least. Yeah. Well, during that time, she was being carried by Kong. saying, so, you know, Kong's just basically a giant space heater. He's keeping her warm. Now the big problem is when he sets her off, sets her up on the Empire State Building and leaves her alone. That's where she's really going to get the uh, nippy fingers. Isn't that only for a few minutes, though? I mean, she still has to climb down, and she's in an evening dress. I'm sure that the uh, authorities got to her and threw a blanket over her and gave her a cup of hot chocolate. She she was in shock. She needed a blanket. They just throw blankets at everyone. Now I'm wondering, though, about the market for, like, a Kong hand uh, bed. <laughs> Would that keep you warm? Like, Well, no, it's dead. The, the problem here, John, is that you could only get two of those beds. Well, maybe you can use its feet, too. Well, I bet you can make a fake one, is what I'm saying. Oh. Like, like you know, a blanket that, instead of being a blanket, it's like four body pillows that is just that come what together. happened to all of the other kongs was with their family poached to make beds no they were poached to make hands like the hand chairs you know that were popular in the 70s those are very small hands there's no they, way that's a kong that that's why they had to go for all the kids yeah yeah uh, they it's very unethical actually making <sighs> hand chairs 
Now those hand chairs are extra creepy. (laughs) And then they may use the fur from that to make Furbies. That's why there's a limited amount of Furbies. No more long Furbies. (laughs) All right. And I think, do we have any more? I think there's one more. Elevators? The elevators. Well then, let's talk about when Jack Driscoll decides to go up the Empire State Building elevator. There's that little old-fashioned dial and arrow indicator that sweeps upward across the numbers and it goes from 1 to 101. The problem being that the building's structure doesn't allow for direct elevators from street level to the very top. The tower topping the limestone facade above the 86th floor observation deck is only served by one elevator shaft and a narrow staircase. That's all that fits in there. And so you have to do a change of elevator on or about the 86th floor. And also the top floor of the Empire Stage building is the 102nd floor, not the 101st. All right, Eric. I Man, that's really, that's different than the one I had. Excellent. Like... Start swimming. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty easy. It's in uh, in this universe well, where Kongs exist. They were able to figure out how to put elevators in to the very top floor. Well, second to top floor. You still have to get to the observ- observation post. So, yeah, it works. Ah, so the observation floor is on the top, not on the uh, middle of the uh, Empire State Building? Is that not what the top is called? It is not. The observation deck is on the, is on the 86th floor in our universe. No. Well, I, this was the 1920s. They called it something different. It was like sarsaparilla like how we call it root beer they called it like sarsaparilla or something they, it was old people talk ah oh, the penthouse old people talk it's where you gotta look at the giant gorillas that may or may not exist in this universe and it's affected their ability to make elevators but let's okay we'll go back let's assume he does have to get on the 86th floor that's why he's not able to sing, save kong see as the uh as the airplanes are fall, flying towards Kong to, to basically do their job and kill the monkey and and the movie, the uh, oh Anne is waving at him, telling him to stop, don't do that. But they can't see her because she's in a white dress against the rising sun. So they're like, well, no one's telling us to stop. Let's uh, let's blow this monkey out of the water or into the water, <laughs> the ground at least. So, but Jack, who was wearing a black suit would have easily would have been contrasted against the uh, the rising sun and would able he would able to have he would have been able to stop the airplanes therefore saving kong and this movie basically we can blame inefficient elevator design on the death of kong and that's how i'm tying it back to elevators instead of just rambling but i mean i don't think it would have helped Sure, he would have had a black uh, outline, but you still can't stare into the sun and, like, see clearly. Airplanes hide in the sun all the time when they're hunting each other. That was a dogfighting tactic. See, these were veteran World War One pilots, so they knew, like, okay, let's figure out the outline in the sun. <laughs> Stupid parents telling me not to stare at the sun. I'll show them. And besides... Jack can't even use the elevators to go to the top because they weren't self-service in this time period. That's our other plot hole, Eric. That was the plot hole I had. It's like, 
Wait a second, that's just a press button. Those didn't come out until the 1970s. So yeah, how did uh, Jack use the elevator using a press button when those didn't exist yet? I think that tie- just ties us back into the alternate alternative dimension. And the, and the Jack Black was born in the early 1900s? This they- is the Kate and Leopold universe? Yes. Oh, this is the Kate and Leopold universe. I mean... That is a deep cut. We haven't talked about Kate and Leopold in a long time. About how two does, years. How does this compare to Depp? The Depp depths. Is there a Johnny Depp in this there, universe? There is, because this is the story that Depp is telling in the Kate and Leopold universe. Can you track our depths? Let's see. They do talk about fathoms, and that's a way to track depths. And so I think it's about 30, uh, 30 depths deep. All right. So this version of King Kong is actually Johnny Depp telling a kid about King Kong before King Kong comes out translated through johnny depp's future knowledge which is why he casts all the characters as a uh, contemporary actors. contemporary actors but he doesn't know about stuff like the elevator change he just knows it goes straight up it's an elevator you press a button yeah may- and, i mean that makes sense and the kid's got a whole like double bag of uh he's got two bags of popcorn a cracker jack specifically yeah and so johnny depp's like i'm gonna keep this story going get both bags that's why that. it's a three and a half hour uh, story. Oh yeah, and then there were giant bugs. What? You already said giant bugs. Did I say bugs? I meant dinosaur. Uh, dinosaurs. Yep, giant dinosaurs. Two dinosaurs. And they show up, and they were eating something, but now they're going to chase after the girl. And Godzilla's going to rip one in half. King Kong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, what are we talking about? Give me those. <laughs> <laughs> Keep the Cracker Jacks coming, kid. <laughs> You want to know what happens? Um, yes. Okay, give me that other box. All right, well, well... I think that solves the elevator problem right there. Well, now that we've talked about very silly things, let's go to a much more contemporary movie. And... Let's, yes, a very serious film about the problems of corporate espionage, radioactive waste, and uh, the uh, nuclear arms race. We're going to go to King Kong Escapes. All right. Um, King Kong Escapes was released on the 19th of June, 1968, as a double feature alongside Don Knotts, the shakiest gun in the West. We don't actually have an official budget for it, but we know it grossed in the U.S. a little over $2 million. It did not do well. It did much better overseas. Uh, it was far more popular in the kaiju market. I assume that it's because Toho was the one marketing it, right? It is indeed, because Toho was the one marketing it over there. And they worked it They worked it into, you know, the continuous kaiju stories. And they, they actually got a really funny bad review from the American press, specifically about how it was people in a monkey suit, and it was terrible. I mean, their models are pretty are pretty great, but nobody's gonna this this type of filmmaking isn't gonna go anywhere. And Turns it, out, and it did go somewhere. Twenty twenty one, we've got King Kong fighting Godzilla. <sighs> Bet that guy feels silly now. <laughs> but yes, we had we've got King Kong and a giant robot. Let's go. All right, Richard. 
So, one of the main plot points is they need to find this radioactive material at the North Pole. The problem is that if you were to dig at the North Pole, you're going to run through you're going to run into a lot of water before you actually run into land. So, why were they digging at the North Pole? There's no land under there besides the ocean floor obviously, but that is I think going to be our key here is that uh the radioactive element X is going to be buried on the seafloor. We never actually see their base. We just see the ship. And then we have some kind of tunnels that he's digging into. So probably they went to the ocean floor and that's where they're doing all of their digging. Underneath the ice cap. Okay, so it's like... Like deep oil drilling, basically. Yeah. Only in this case, you're either using a giant robot of a monkey... Or just the giant monkey himself. Now, speaking of this element X and our monkey doing the mining, how do you even have King Kong mined for element X? How does King Kong know what element X is? So this one's a harder one because King Kong is just is hypnotized to be doing this be doing this digging and told to dig up element X. And I think that really the big the big one there is that it's the it's the big shiny glowy thing, and King Kong didn't really know exactly what they wanted. He just he just got told he had to go and dig stuff, and there's one shiny thing, and so he digs up the shiny thing, or they just show it to him on the boat, be like, "Get this." Yeah, I I, I feel like because. The thing about when you train an animal is you're not actually training an animal to understand concepts so much as repeat a behavior. So if they got King Kong to just be used to grabbing um, X and getting the reward or being hypnotized. They would have done better and they wouldn't have had to worry about King Kong breaking out. Absolutely. I mean, because hypnotizing is mostly like the shortcut to training, right? That's really their problem here is that they just... We're telling it to dig up something. Yeah, so it's just, they was just, the training it went to was involved that kind of rock, and that's what the response is to. And he's got to have some reaction to, re- to, to Element X. Does it smell funky? Does it look funky? Does it make his uh, monkey hands ache? It definitely glows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so yeah, he's, he's just sees the glowy rock. Put glow your rock in the minecart and push it. That seems easy enough. It's not like Kong knows it's a Element X. It just it's the glowy rock. But it is funny that they instruct him to dig it up by saying "dig up Element X." Um. Yeah. So then, how does Kong understand English? Well, I think that rather than necessarily understanding English, he understands the intent because. By all intents and purposes, he shouldn't speak English, and I don't think he does. I think he understands tone of voice and gestures. Kong is really good at reading people. Kong is good at reading people. It's why he likes the girl, but doesn't like our evil scientist. He can look at him and say, yeah, you're a nice person. You, you're evil. Definitely evil. All right, were there any other plot holes that you had for us, Richard? There aren't very many plot holes for this surprisingly 
But there are some very strange connections. Oh? Yes. Eric, did you know that this connects to a popular British TV show? Black Adder? Nope. Red Dwarf? Also nope. What other British show is there? Um, isn't there that Abbey one? Oh yeah, the Downtown Abbey. No Abbeys. Uh, what other things do that the British did are popular? Sherlock? Great British Baking Show. How did you know? We do have the monkey in the tent. No, in this particular case, Eric, the villain is named Doctor Who. Not H-U. As you would expect. W-H-O. Huh. And let me show you a picture. Because this is 1967, when William Hartnell is the Doctor. Behold, Doctor Who <laughs> and Doctor Who. Was it, was it the same actor? It is not the same actor. It's but, definitely an Asian guy. Oh, okay. But 100%. But, but yeah, he has the same outfit as uh, the original number one. Well, I guess Doctor Who has changed that now. They had to rearrange timelines and all sorts of things. But the first Doctor. The first Doctor. Okay, yeah, it looks a lot like the first Doctor. And so uh, my thing is this is definitely a connected theory. Element X has chronotons in it and is this is actually the master trying to get it. And that's why we never see a TARDIS because it has a functioning chameleon arch. Mm. And so the uh, master is built. That's why he can build the giant robot Kong. And Element X actually isn't for making a nuclear device, but for some other... Um, space time adventure plot. Definitely. And that's why the, uh, the evil, uh, like Madame Piranha and her country that's funding it, it never gets anything they're promised by this doctor. Okay. Let's ever. just step back. Madame Piranha. Madame Piranha is a great name and I'm kind of sad. Here's, here's my issue with Madame Piranha though. Like you can't have that just be one person. Like if, if someone's called Madame Piranha, there's really like 12 Madame Piranhas, and you only ever see one at a time. And then if you try and fight one, then all the other Madame Piranhas come out at the same time. I would accept this. Unfortunately, she just gets shot after becoming a good guy later. I feel like that would have been the subtle clue, is like, you know, oh, this person's dangerous, and their name is Madame Piranha. And you're thinking, you should be like, oh, well, you know, one piranha's not all that dangerous. Or just maybe her say that line, one piranha's never a problem. And they're like, oh, whatever. And then suddenly, like, the 12 piranhas come out for the big big end scene. Like, so the way I see it, you have a, one scene where it's like, okay, I need to meet with some nefarious uh, ne'er-do-well needs to meet with Madame Piranha. It's a different actress. Um, in a different scene, it, Madame Piranha is played by someone else. And you think, wow, this is a really cheaply made movie. They can't even keep their... Uh, Actress is the same, like Plan 9 from Outer Space. Yeah. Just kind of, they're switching through like halfway. But then they show up at the end like, no, no, it's a school. It's a whole school of Madame Piranhas. And of course you've got to force the bad pun. Yeah. I mean, what are kaiju movies about? Besides destruction. Oh, yeah, totally. Well, and the, the whoever they're fighting will say, I... Said you should have grabbed the bull by the horns and then like Madame Piranha steps out and then like all the piranhas, Madame Piranha start fanning out behind her. Like she, like she walks in and then they just step out from behind and she's all like, 
a school of piranhas can end a cow in 30 seconds. And then they swarm in. Mm-hmm. That would have been very cool. Get Toho on the phone. <laughs> We've got a new plot. We've got to rewrite. Wait, why, why are we redoing a monkey fighting a robot monkey film? Look, this is going to be in like one of the uh, really the awesome bad, bad kung fu films. I would watch that. All right. Well, uh, so any more thoughts on our King Kong movies? I think mine was probably the most fun to watch. I'll be honest. All right. Yeah. So uh, favorite part of your movie and least favorite part of your movie. Favorite and least favorite is hard because like there's so many parts in this film because it is like it's old, old school Japanese kaiju films. Like there was one point I had to pause it and make John come in and watch a section because Godzilla's eyes were the derpiest. Are you mean King Kong's? Yeah, King Kong's eyes were just so derpy. Like it's they he wakes up and he's just I cannot be bothered with this right now. I am so high in the suit. What are we doing? It was amazing. But you... then at the same time, you have like the really kind of stilted spy scenes when we have Doctor Who versus the American versus the American guy. And Doctor Who's trying to be villainous and evil, but he does not carry it with his acting. He's very, very big and very open with his movements, but it does not sell villainy. Okay. You want us to come back to you for the your favorite part? What about you, Eric? What was your favorite and least favorite part of your movie? So my least favorite part is an easy two hours of walking through the jungle. <laughs> Cut that down to maybe an hour. Um, there were parts in the movie where, so they'd be walking through the jungle. Everyone's getting picked off. They show a picture, uh, a shot of one of the main actors, but you'd look around him and there's a bunch of people you've never seen before. And I was just thinking, I've seen this movie before, so I know what happens, but you see the main actor surrounded by no names Man, those no-names are getting picked off. They're basically red shirts at that point. Kirk, Spock, and three crew members beam down to the planet. Guess who doesn't come back? Basically, yeah. See, I find funny about that, too, is I think I was was looking through, like, the uh, the errors in the movie, is that they say 17 people died on the island, but if you actually count, it's 27. <laughs> so, like, those people didn't even matter to the people inside the film. Like, they just like, eh, I guess that was a guy. That is keeping with the, the Jack Black Acceptable character. Acceptable loss. Um, that, so that is keeping with the Jack Black character. And I'm going to say it. I think this movie convinced me that Jack Black is actually a good actor. I really enjoyed watching him in this King Kong. In King Kong. So is he, one of you, is he your favorite part? What is your favorite part? I, I would probably say the character that Jack Black plays. I'm forgetting his character's name off the top. Isn't it Denim? Denim, yeah, but his first name. Basically, the whole my movie is the most important thing. I don't care what gets in my way um, sort of aspect. Like, one of his friends gets killed, and he, he feels re- he's really torn up about it. It's like, I'm going to donate the, the I'm going to donate the proceeds from this movie to his wife and or his widow and kids. And he keeps saying that about the third person who dies, and it eventually just becomes a, yeah, I'll donate the proceeds to his wife, his 
widow and orphans or kids, whatever. He doesn't care. He's getting his he's getting his movie made or getting his monkey. Yep, it's basically it kind so earlier in the film they reference the heart of darkness and I think that kind of gets referenced in the Jack Black character just that you know it's over the heart of darkness where you need to overcome like the monster inside whereas Jack Black is being consumed by the monster or the monster of greed that is like is this a good movie eh, you can watch it once um the cg doesn't hold up very well uh there's some very silly scenes but yeah watch it once most of the cars in the new york streets are the same car well it's a model i think it's the ford model a they only had like three cars it is the model a but it's all the same model a oh because copy paste because of the cg Mm -hmm. yeah it made it a lot easier back then though there like there's three cars well actually that's not true there's actually like hundreds of car dealerships or not car manufacturers they were just all localized so but yeah going back carouseling around all in all you don't you watch this movie once you don't need to see it again it's okay it kind of falls apart near the end too where they try and force the man is the monster or man was the monster all along and I, I'm not watching Frankenstein. I'm watching a King Kong movie. You want to watch the monsters, the monster the whole time? Yeah, basically. Like a kaiju movie. You know, those monsters are monsters. So how about you, John? All right. So um, I'm going to say my favorite scene in this movie is where, like, after King Kong uh, washes uh, our girl Dwan using a waterfall, he then bl- dries her by blowing on her. It is a great and hilarious scene that is so stupid, you can't help but love it. Especially because uh, she's all getting into it. Like, you know, when uh, you've seen the gif of uh, Nicolas Cage in uh, Con, Con Air? Air. She's, yeah, that's exactly what she's doing in the, in the monkey breath. And, like, they have the whole, like, blowing cheeks are, like, inflating on the <laughs> monkey. and So they're going, like way cartoony for this thing. oh yeah yeah it is great all right and how about your least favorite part um oh that is actually hard i didn't not dislike this movie that much um uh actually i'll say least favorite is generally they want you to care about king kong but i don't think they really did the late leg work for it like i think their idea of was similar to like the peter jackson version where they want king kong to be more sympathetic but they don't really put all that much effort into it like you feel bad that the monkey got killed but that's about it just off of the general you know it's a unique animal maybe we shouldn't be murdering it or transporting it across the world just the general generic moral uh problems with this rather than like specifically oh this is king kong too or like that the, there's some sort of connection between the girl and king kong besides you know monkey breath <laughs> but it does ask one important question what astrological sign is king kong born under juan thinks he's an aries 
Yeah, so what what astrological sign do you think King Kong was born under? <laughs> Let us know on Facebook. Leave yep. a like. No question. And a comment. Can we do the Chinese zodiac as well? Because obviously he'd be the monkey. You obviously would have to. I don't think so. I don't maybe he's not a monkey. I mean, cuz well, the he's signs an a- fine great ape, whatever. <laughs> I mean, because it's all about your personality, right? I don't know what the personality connects to. Blood type. Um. No, he just has to be type A. A for winners. He is the alpha male. So yeah, let us know on Facebook or in 280 characters or less. You Tell us what you think King Kong's astrological sign is or his zodiac or whatever the heck that stuff is. Uh, you can at us at Plot Spackle Pod on Twitter. Or, because King Kong is public domain, and you've written your own King Kong story, send it to us, plotspacklepodcast at gmail.com. And also, we want to thank our patrons for uh, keeping us uh, funded and keeping this thing going. You make the magic happen. You would put the monkey on top of the building. I'm not certain that's a good thing, John. Well, if we keep the airplanes away and there's no screaming woman, it should be fine, right? I think we should just keep the monkey in the jungle. All right, you help keep the monkey in the jungle. I I guess that actually makes sense, because if we take the monkey out of the jungle, so we can make money on the monkey. But we don't have to, because we have patrons. Yeah, like Dwan said, you just want to go to America to become a star.